guys and welcome to Tader's Life. Today I'm joined by a friend of mine, Knitting, and I met Knitting on my first day at university. Now, the tailor then was a very different tailor to now, but Knitting has been my friend throughout it all. He's a DJ and a music producer, studies business and IT at Aberystwyth University. And now, without further ado, let's welcome Nitin to the stage. So welcome Nitin to the Taders Life podcast. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Uh, yeah, we haven't talked in a really long time, so this is great. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I was like, you know, I think you're going to be so fitting for the podcast. <laughs> and, you know, I've been always, like, I've always wanted to know more about moving from Malaysia to Aberystwyth because I feel like that's a crazy thing to do but nonetheless we're gonna hear all about it today so indeed yeah are you excited to tell me all about it (laughs) yeah I'm excited to tell you my life story (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I'm yeah in all in all seriousness it was quite a journey so yeah we'll talk about it we'll see you'll get to know more about me and my journey of moving all over the place I'm looking forward to it. So can we actually start about what your goals are at the moment? So you're in university, you're doing music producing and DJing on the side. Are there any big sort of things that you're working towards at the moment that you can let me know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, in university, so I'm in my final year right now in my final semester. So scary times. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, no, I'm excited because I never think that education for me as a whole would come to an end so fast. But, you know, the years have gone by, as you would know, it goes re- goes by really fast. Yeah. And well, yeah, I mean, I'm now towards the end. My goal really for university is to do the best I can, get the best degree I can, get all the experience I can, basically, because, you know, paying for university, which is not cheap. So, <laughs> yeah, do the best I can, really. That's my goal for university. Get the degree, ideally trying to aim for that first. You know, but I'm not going to be mad if I get a 2-1. I, I, I will be a little disappointed, but, you know, it is oh, how it is. We'll honestly, see how it goes. It's, like, so weird because university goes by so quickly. Like, it doesn't it feel like yesterday since you first stepped foot in oh, yeah. it's literally it flies by and it's I can totally understand like your desire for that first because I'm not being funny you've spent this much amount of money to go to university moved yeah. halfway across the globe and now yeah. you're like well the sweet thing at the end would kind of be a first but... yeah no <laughs> yeah literally but like I feel like a lot of people put pressure on themselves. I know I did put so much pressure on myself to get that first. But at the end of the day, it's weird. And I'm speaking from my experience. Nobody really asks you if you got a first, but I feel like because I did a film and scenography degree, it's not relevant. It's more portfolio based, you know what I mean? But it might yeah. be different for a business. Actually it would be very different for a business night yeah. wouldn't it? So yeah. does that first kind of determine whether you may get a job straight out of uni or whatnot? The answer is yes. Uh, but it's also a personal goal of mine because uh frankly if we go back all the way till God knows, IGCSE, which is the GCSEs, I mean, as a whole throughout my education, I haven't been like, you know, an A star student or anything by those means. I was fairly average. I used you know, I I got by. I wasn't like the best in my class, nor was I the worst. I was kind of in that mid- middle realm. I always tried I was I, I, I try really hard because I don't like 
doing badly. It's kind of just in my nature to do the best I can. And it's been a goal, actually, just like, you know, like a goal of mine is always just do the best I can. And my mindset of education and exams and everything like that has drastically changed. Like, Really? in, So what yeah. was the difference? So I used to beat myself up a lot, like, not only like really mentally but also physically when I was younger so I used to get like I used to have like rage moments when I didn't do well yeah I was very I was I had like anger management kind of problems but I realized that like you know I shouldn't pressure myself too hard because I was always amongst really uh, people who are like just innately very smart and they were just very successful in that sense and I just wasn't really academically inclined in a sense so I always wanted to do well and everything, but I realized it was very unhealthy for me personally because I used to beat myself down and it just get worse. It's like, you know, you're really just stacking that pressure, which is not how I should have looked at it. And I think the turning point really when I went to A-levels because A-levels, if you've done it, is, you know, huge jump. I went to Garden International School, which is arguably top five, six forms in Malaysia, which is nuts. Um, I was very fortunate to get in. Because my, my GCSEs weren't amazing, but it was all the other things I'd done outside of school. Um, So what sort of things had you done outside of school? I had done like some small internships. I used to do like charity work. On top of that, I was um, a prefect in school and then I became the head prefect of the Oh, school. wow. Um, yeah, so it was that as well. It was kind of, you know, just... the way I talked and stuff like that. Yeah, just all of the, you know, everything just built up and allowed me to give access to this really good, you know, brilliant school. And when I got there, I kind of realized that how difficult it was, like, you know, just A-levels as a whole. And I realized if I kept beating myself, it would just get worse and worse and worse. So I needed to relieve some of that pressure off my shoulders, really, and just think, okay, yeah, you know, I didn't do the best here. How can I change that? How can I just moving forward, what do I have to do to make that better in a way that ultimately I'll still have the drive and determination, but I'm not going to, you know, beat myself up for it. You know, I've carried that on from A-levels till now. And I would say, yeah, I, I am doing better academically just just through a mindset, mindset change, really. So, yeah. That's that's crazy. And it's weird when you say that you were like surrounded by really, really like academically talented people and you felt as though you weren't up to their standard, I guess. But it's weird how a mindset change can totally flip the tables, turn everything around. And Yeah. it's weird that you say all of these things because I can kind of relate. So I remember the move from GCSEs to A-levels as well. Another Yeah. thing that feels like yesterday, <laughs> but I remember during my A-levels, I was like, I need to get to university. So I kind of set a more long-term goal and I actually set time for like my mental health and stuff during this time and actually Yeah, of revised course. and things like that. And it literally, grades went from... A really really bad <laughs> to passing all my a levels with like a's and b's like that that just switch and it's it, a lot of people i feel like they struggle with change but not all change is bad Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely and i think if people maybe had this more 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 inclined to have this mindset change it would be the difference for a lot of people to do a lot better in school Yeah, and definitely. it's 
really really interesting that you've gone through that because it's something that I can relate fully to yeah um, I really really want to know if you've got any musicals at the moment oh yeah uh loads <laughs> so yeah i'm as taylor mentioned music producer dj so i've been doing the whole dj thing for much longer than the music production actually so 16 years old i saw videos on youtube of um ultra music festival which happens in miami america and it's like this huge stage and everyone and you know i kind of seeing all these DJs and how many thousands of people are jumping and enjoying the music, etc. So I I decided, you know what? Yeah, let me let me let me get into this. So, you know, started doing research and everything. So I think now, I mean I started this maybe what, 2014, 2015, and now I'm still doing it now till today. Oh, this is 2023. I know, yeah. Three, so it's years. been Yeah, it's it's I've been doing this for a very long time, but it's kind of been on and off because obviously school, etc. I did it as like kind of a hobby at the start and I was on and off with that hobby. I kind of, you know, it was a love-hate relationship, if you will. <laughs> I loved it sometimes. I absolutely hated it other times. And I never took it really seriously. So it was kind of just dormant for a lot of my life. But then when I hit my A-levels, that's when I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's let's start doing this seriously. So I started like, started um, doing a lot of stuff on social media. So I had a, I did, run a youtube channel where i post all of my mixes on there it's Did it's you? gone now what? yeah no, it's gone back on that i it was it was yeah i mean i i used it because i just had so much time and i had this like you know i we couldn't even really buy decent well budget um dj controllers or mixes uh in malaysia so i actually told my aunt who lives here to buy it for me here and then when she come home she'd bring it with her so that was like my first decks and they were really cheap there was you know tiny thing that basically just allowed you to do the basics and i used to post um on youtube and i actually launched i opened up an instagram page which is the current page i still use today okay and i posted like instagram videos on there as well so i've i've hit a lot of goals recently actually for that uh i think i need to make some new ones because i've already done the ones i've wanted to do it's only been i started it in 2021 so in the middle of covid i decided i'm gonna start music production because there's no better time than now because you know well absolutely we were all stuck at home i had nothing to do with my life i was all i was doing for the first like you know two months in covid was playing games eating sleeping you know it's just big you you know waste of my time i i really want i i set myself a goal yet again i want to leave covid whenever this ends with something new that i've learned so i told myself music production is the one that i want to do because it'll be the next step for me not only as a dj but as like i just loved music in general yeah so my goals last year were to get on a label uh, a record label and i did that so Ooh, what was the I, so it was so it's actually run by these two guys called Albzi and Sando. So I, I don't want to dox them or you know give their full names, but yeah. that's their uh, aliases for their music, and it's called Treasury Records. Yeah, it was pretty good. It, it started out, and you know I I gave them a tune of mine, and they were like, yeah, you know we'll work through it, we'll improve it, and stuff like that. And funnily enough, uh, till today it's actually 
the biggest record they signed so far with the most amount of plays, which is sick. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's on their SoundCloud and it's got like, I think about like now 6,000 people have listened to it and stuff like that. So it's what? sick and it's still getting plays. So yeah, I'm very, very happy with that. That's really, really exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And then, well, moving into this uh, 2022 to 23, kind of been like, yeah, just more label releases on bigger labels and yeah, I've done that as well. Yosh Bass, which is a kind of a well-known record label. Then I signed to Amplified, another record label I wanted to get on. I had, you know, I had like a list of record labels I wanted to sign to because I listened to the music that was released on there. So mm-hmm. I was like, I would love to see my name there. And yeah, so that was another one. Uh, and a goal recently, very recently actually, that I hit that was like pretty big deal for me was um being on About Last Night Records. Now, that's created by Albzi, who is a guy that's like really big in the industry. Uh, he's like easily 10 plus years into the industry of just music production itself. And he's been on some of the biggest record labels ever. And he created this record label and they had a very distinct, like dark style of bass that I love. My kind of music that I love to listen to when I, come, when I was listening to bass music. And in January, I released a tune with them. So what? very, very happy with that. Yep. That's incredible. And like the fact that you did this from your bedroom and yep. from COVID just shows that anything is bloody possible. Oh, yeah. You yeah, don't yeah. need to be like spending like loads and loads and loads of money on like getting tuition and all of this stuff. You can literally just go on YouTube, get a yep. couple of lessons on there. That's really, really impressive. And I thank you. Yeah. Going off that, I would be interested in getting a feel of like what your first gig was like versus now and like what sort of companies or institutions or things that you've played for okay so yeah uh my first gig was my own birthday (laughs) (laughs) so i i I decided for my 18th birthday that i would uh host a house party like you know one of those project x house parties oh, and I, 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 i'd watched project x and i was like this is so cool i want to do it <laughs> and so i mean i'm very lucky in the sense that my parents were even o- open to the idea yeah. um i said i want to do something for my 18th i want to go big you know i'm you know for like girls it's all sweet 16 then 21 yeah. i was like yeah, yeah for, for guys it's only really i think one which is 18 years old and that's really it uh, or like you know 21 but I didn't really do much for 21 um but yeah 18 years old so I was like okay cool I'm gonna do this I'm gonna DJ my own party it'll be sick I you know I imagined exactly what the DJ was doing and everything you know invited like 200 of the people I knew in Malaysia yeah what? I invited loads of people about only only about 100 came but even then from it was it was a fair amount of people that I knew. Funnily enough, uh, you know, got grant. Okay, I will say this. Not wasted. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it, it was illegal to drink in Malaysia. Uh, well, no, actually, then it wasn't. Now it is. Now it's illegal what? to be eighteen and drink. Uh, now it's twenty one age. But back then it was okay for like a short period of time. I was so lucky. A short yeah. period of time, eighteen years old was fine. So yeah loads of alcohol uh food uh yeah and i had like 100 of my friends and i dj'd that and it was it was great because i used that you know that small dainty mixer that i told you um i was very lucky in the sense that my parents actually had like in our house we have a inbuilt sound system oh, so wow. 
Yeah, so it's all on the bottom floor. So I literally was like, okay, this is where we're having a party. I converted my dinner table into a beer pong table. <laughs> I had like a dance floor. I had like, yeah, so that was my first gig. It That was, sounds, it was, that it sounds was so really fun. fun. And weirdly, even though you all were wasted, it sounds wholesome because you were able to like show people your music oh, yeah. for the first time. And then all your family and friends and stuff. Like yeah. that is so <laughs> sick. Did everybody love your tunes? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I mean it was a good party. I will say it, it went all the way to about like four AM. Yeah, I basically turned my house into a club. So yeah, it was really good fun. A lot of a lot of my friends and yeah, I did have family there as well. Like they were like quite impressed. They were like, Wow, I didn't know you could do this and I was like, Yeah, can what do can it. I I say? Can do <laughs> but I, I do a lot of my DJing in Abba Underground. So We'll we'll get to that segment. But outside of Abba Underground, I do I have played gigs as well outside. Um my most recent booking was I got booked to play Basement Forty Five at Bristol, which is this cellar of a club. Yeah, it was it's insane. And I got booked to play amongst some of some of the biggest names in like the bass scene in the UK, this uh for the genre and play uh I make music in UK bass. Um I got booked and I knew the promoter and he was like, yeah, man, I would love to get you on, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't know when I was playing or what time I was playing or which room because there are two rooms in the venue. Got there and he's like, oh yeah, you're opening the main room for us. And I was like, oh wow, okay. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, cool. Went up there and there's like all this professional gear and this is where I could get like really nerdy about it. Um, There was like a really nice sound system, really, you know, top of the line decks and everything. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. And I think that was my most, that was the most recent gig I've played outside of Abba Underground, but I've actually dedicated more of my DJing time to Abba Underground. So whenever we get to that, I will kind of explain more about what it is. But yeah, those are, the big difference would have been my confidence really i was way more confident behind the decks my mixing is way cleaner my diversity of music is way larger i actually and this is very weird to kind of say i actually had people come specifically to see the set which is nice i had like a lot of connections with these guys in the industry now so yeah that would be the biggest difference i would say so obviously from my own party you know just doing regular stuff to now actually somewhat being in the industry so yeah that's a huge step and it's something that you should really really be proud of because like I mentioned before you started this off your own back in your own room yeah. off your own initiative like that's really really cool and I know you've been mentioning Abbott Underground so we're gonna get into it in a second Space sure. guys if you haven't gathered already <laughs> Nitin is from Malaysia, right? And he decided, and I, I don't know why, and it's something that I need to ask, <laughs> to move to a tiny little coastal seaside town. Now, for me, that's a little bit bizarre, but Nitin is a little bit quirky. <laughs> <laughs> but we love that. So, Nitin, why did you move all the way from Malaysia to Aberystwyth? Right. So education is the first answer. It's where I came to, to you know, for university. Um, I have been to the UK many of times. I had my first birthday in the UK. Uh, I came back for holidays loads of times. So I, I, I was very familiar with the UK. And I'll be honest, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, you know, it's, it's all great and everything. But the education system isn't the best. Universities aren't the best there. 
and you won't you know really get a qualification that is like worldwide seen worldwide so a lot of a lot of malaysians almost like i would say god i don't know 60 to 70 percent that have the you know the resources and the money to leave do eventually leave and go somewhere else for education so a lot of my friends almost everyone i knew um left either came to the uk america australia new zealand you know they just or europe they just went to different countries for university so for me i was like i would it's the uk nowhere else i could not see myself going anywhere else so when i did the whole like ucas thing and everything with the grades i got and after looking at all the universities and i was you know for what i knew i could do and you know you got to you got to pick your universities to where you think you could go so you had aberystwyth so i had aber i had swansea <laughs> yeah why because I, I i'm from that neck of the woods and no <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i realize this now i didn't realize it then because granted you know being from malaysia i'm miles away the only time i was coming to the uk was for london or any major city it was yeah. london birmingham manchester and that was it i'd never set foot in wales ever so I had no idea about Wales other than Cardiff. You know, Cardiff is like the big city in Wales. Other than that, no idea about Wales. So when I saw Swansea, I was like, oh, this must be a nice place. You know, I was very wrong. Uh, I, have no, I had no idea about it. But it was Swansea. It was Aber. It was Northumbria. So all the way Newcastle. Um, I know. Derby. Uh, Derby, Derby. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce that place because I'm like Derby, Derby as well. I just yeah, don't know. I'm, I'm going to say Derby. Yeah, uh, and I'm not sure. I can't actually remember my fifth option. But yeah, those were my options. Funny enough, I don't know why I did this, but I put Swansea as my first option and ABBA was my second. And Swansea actually rejected me. Even <laughs> though my, yeah, even though my grades were like, you know, kind of above what they were even asking for. And they just, and, and I never got a response to why they rejected me. So I was like, Okay. Well, that's that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, that, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, ABBA picked it. I was like, what is ABBA? Where is this place? Etc. I started doing research, you know, learned it was a coastal town. And as you know, the, the question, why did I move all the way from a massive city? Yeah, I mean, if to put it into context, Kuala Lumpur is the city center. It's like, you know, the point in Malaysia. It's arguably comparable to London. Um... Now... It's yeah, massive. It's pretty much the city center. Um, so going from huge city center, you know, I grew up there, so I'm like a city boy through and through, and all the coming to Aber, which is a coastal town, it, it was a massive change. Um, but yeah, I mean that main answer would have been uni. But you know what? After being here for three years, four years, I actually really like this place. No regrets then. No, no, absolutely not. That's that's really really cool and the the thought of like people living in london and stuff and moving to like somewhere a little bit quieter sometimes is really really nice mm -hmm. because you kind of do want that little bit of like downtime and, and for for like a lot of people living in that really really busy environment isn't a forever thing so having yeah. that like downtime is nice but now let's get into the abba underground so abba stands for Aberystwyth so if yep. Nitin and I say Aber we're on about Aberystwyth because it's a place where we both went to university and where we both met yep. <laughs> and 
Abba Underground is basically this huge well I say huge I feel like it's huge because it's huge in Aberystwyth yeah. <laughs> um DJ society Senator do to take it away yeah so Abba Underground right it is well I consider it a business but yes it's pretty much like a DJ society in a sense it's not actually directly linked to the university nor is it actually a society in the university it's completely separate we, we run it outside in our own way and fashion but yeah, it's essentially a group of DJs with the combined passion and goal of running events and basically playing our music out to everyone who loves to go to raves, parties, you know, just the culture of the, the rave culture, but with an exception to basically in ABBA. So ABBA Underground, ABBA is with Underground. So Underground Music, that's what we're res representing. And it was a, a lot of it was the bass music and so within that you've got uk bass you've got bass line you've got drum and bass you've got uk garage you've got house you've got techno you've you know there's there's loads of genres that we accommodate to so initially it was started out by this guy called samuel grundy 10 now he's sadly no longer running ab undergone he's not you know not part of our roster or anything like that um but he's the one that started it he started it and he put out a message, you know, on Facebook and I kind of saw the message and I was like, I I really want to do this because I was trying desperately to get into the scene here because I knew I'd moved here, but it was very difficult. So I was like, this is my ticket. This is my ticket to get into the scene here because, you know, maybe with him, I could build something. We started it. Then we brought on some new friends. There was a roster. We started building up people. We started promoting, etc. So now we've built it and it's been running now for about three years. We started it in 2020. And now it's 2023. Samuel has left and I have taken it over actually. And now I run it with my own team and we keep building the roster ever since. And we put on events. It used to be weekly. Now it's monthly because frankly, time is harder and we're putting more time into quality production and getting better DJs, etc. So yeah, we're, we're an events company and just a community of DJs within Aberystwyth or around Aberystwyth that have just a combined passion and love for playing music. That's really, really exciting. And Aberystwyth kind of needed that because I felt like when I was going out in Aberystwyth for my like first year in university, it was all like poppy stuff that was oh, yeah. really, really mainstream, but not everybody listens or likes that sort of music. So Abba Underground really, really changed the whole dynamic and music scene in Aberystwyth, which was absolutely vital for pubs and clubs to survive. Because oh, yeah. I don't think people were going out much and knitting when um, and plays like a couple of gigs. Well, I say a couple of gigs, quite a lot of gigs in one of the um, pubs there called The Angel. When they're playing, it's one of the, the biggest nights in Aberystwyth because you don't get that shit anywhere else. No. Is it is it still like crazy when you play in? Oh yeah, I mean, our last event that happened literally on the 17th, we had 250 people show up. Oh my god. And we and, and like the first hour we had like 50 people waiting out, outside on the door and yeah, we're we're ever expanding. I mean, there's loads of people now. We've had loads of people on the Instagram page. We've got like over a thousand followers. I've got random people who know me. I don't even know them, and they're like, "Hey, Nitin, what's up? Loved your set." And I'm like, "Thank you." Like, you know, the locals <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, we we're, we're constantly expanding. So every time 
we do a night. We do the promotion and everything properly. And yeah, we do get a fair amount of people. I mean, our first event was nuts. The first event I did when I launched um, Base in the Inn. So oh, quite yeah. fitting. Yeah, that those were the events that I kind of uh, headlined and started myself. I think we had something like 300 people, 350 people in a venue that can barely hold... 250 yeah that i was gonna say that sounds like a lot of people people must have been really squished together yeah it became that back room became a sweat box and i actually had to tell people to get out you know go go have a smoke break so you can let people in and yeah it was a nightmare but we made a lot of money that night which obviously is nice it helps Um, yeah it helps (laughs) and yeah i mean it's just ever growing i mean we're still growing now even even still, that more people are coming to all of your gigs and stuff. Do oh, yeah. Think, so, so you do base at the end. Do you have, like, other branches, like, coming off of that? So you do, like, um, bass music. So do you have, like, other sort of genres that other DJs are covering? Yeah. So funny enough, you mentioned this, actually. We recently just launched this. And it was off an idea that we started back in 2020. So in 2020, we started this event called Impulse, which was catered towards the house music scene. And it was just house um, because we thought that there was a very distinct market for it there. There was no one doing it then. And so we did house music then and it worked. It did really well. When I broke off and went and did my own thing and the bass stuff, I let Ray, uh, Ray and Sam do the impulse stuff and I wanted to do bass because there was also a small market like a margin that I could fit myself into with the bass stuff and I was like perfect you know people want the bass stuff I know people want the bass stuff because people keep telling me um, but now we've gone and relaunched another event which is off the house stuff but it's more now so it's house techno uh, UK garage and NUKG which is new the newer generation of UK garage and that's called primitive Oh, what? So, yeah. so have you had your first event? Oh, yeah, we've had our first event already. And we, well, in next week, we have the second one. <laughs> wow, that's really exciting. And then other DJs are like covering that sort of like music. We we have a community of all DJs and some DJs are multi-genre. So I, I for myself, do a lot of uh, UK Garage stuff. I know some people that do the house and techno stuff, but also do the drum and bass stuff. I know some people that you know, do jungle music and stuff like that, but also do liquid DMB and stuff like that. So we're, we're doing all, you know, a lot, a lot of us on the roster are multi-genre. So you might see similar names, but we actually play loads of genres across the board. But we also do have people who are dedicatedly playing, oh, house music, grime music, techno. Like we recently had a guy come in who plays grime music and we've never had a dj before this play crime music but we were like we would love to have you on because this is unique you know there is a market for it as well because i know some people come and tell me oh i'd love some crime music etc so yeah we do have dedicated people for that as well yeah this might be a bit of a random question i think i kind of want to like get as much information out of you like as possible oh yeah do you have dedicated nights for like bass music dedicated nights for house so do you like have like slots within a night no, so we do it genre-based nights. So we have um we do it by event name. So I mentioned Bass in the Inn. So we'll do a night specifically for Bass in the Inn. Yeah. And then we'll do another night specifically for Primitive. So we did, you know, the events that are under the ABBA Underground branch, but they're, they're just event names. So it makes it easier for us to book DJs or 
bring on our own roster for specifically that night. If people, you know, it makes it a bit difficult if we have it multi-genre night because you might not get the full crowd. People might come in for just a section and then leave, etc. So we, we found it's just better to do it for dedicated nights. Yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense because people will just come for the music that they want to listen to. So if they're into bass music then they'll just come for the bass night type thing yeah that's that's a really really intelligent way about going about things i'll give you that (laughs) thank you yeah it's just part of the marketing and business side that well frankly some of my degree actually helps with but yeah trade off then (laughs) yeah yeah right so now that we know that you're a dj music producer and kind of heard about your journey and where you're at now i kind of want to gather what kind of were your influences? So did you have any cultural influences? Were your family influential? Like, what was the vibe? So, interesting. Uh, Cultural influences, not really many, in a sense. I was, ex- a lot of the influences I have to lead me to wh- where I am today, but not only the music side of things, was really, like, online, the online presence. That was the biggest influence with me. I was on YouTube a lot of the time and then I was on Spotify and then saw all these record labels etc so I, that was more of a bigger influence to lead me to where I am today but in terms of cultural I was always really into music I mean there's video clips of me as a baby literally dancing to just whatever and so whatever I was always into music and whatever was being played I kind of enjoyed or I, I would you know I'd always be open to listen to to an extent I've listened to music for many years i mean i've had different i would say eras uh, where <laughs> I, I i used to have you know like ev- almost everyone that i know had like um like an emo phase or a rock oh phase or stuff God. like that so i i yeah. had that as well i had it as well <laughs> i yeah i used to listen my dad introduced me to um acdc audio slave um who else loads there's loads more groups that i'm trying to think of right now um the thing is like everybody kind of knows you could say acdc and then you just get a whole wide variety of people that just pop into your mind just from that and it's really really cool like how your dad kind of introduced you to that sort of music even though it's not what you produce now i love the fact how like parents and the older generation i guess i mean that in the most like nicest way ever um they can introduce these sorts of tunes to their children, to their grandchildren, and it's never going to die out. No, yeah. They're they're absolute belters. Like, I remember the first time ever listening to Fleetwood Mac. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I remember just my years just, like, doing some sort of, like, thing, like, where have you been my entire life? And it yeah. literally just changed everything. And like from that, um, it's basically before that I was I was an emo and <laughs> I, it was it was a bad time. Oh, but like no. I just changed and it's weird yeah. how music can change people. And it's really, really cool how yeah, your dad introduced that sort of things to you. So you didn't actually have any like DMB sort of influences in the background at all. It was kind of all on no. you. Yeah, no, it was, um, I only actually really got introduced to DMB when I came to the UK, because obviously the, the scene here is massive. Bass, bass music as a whole, I think most people, if you say bass music, people think, oh, like dubstep or uh, UK bass or techno or other stuff. DMB is, is very 
it's kind of a big thing here in the UK, but it's not big in Malaysia by any means. Actually, the biggest bass music, in a sense, is house music. So, what is yeah, there's a big house presence in Malaysia. I Some of my personal friends that I grew up with in school uh, are actually now house music DJs and producers as well in Malaysia. So it's kind of weird. Like they've seen me do my stuff here on the bass side, but I've also seen them do their house stuff then. But yeah, like, no, absolutely nothing in bass related from my parents. Yeah, like, you know, as I mentioned, ACDC, Audio Slave, Linkin Park. Big oh one. yeah, yeah. Lincoln oh. Park was a huge one for me. Um, Papa Roach, Black Label Society. Yeah, the names are coming now. And then also the older stuff like uh Montel Jordan. Some of the older eighties and nineties music was what like my parents really introduced me to. Big ones for my dad were Tupac as well. Oh <laughs> yeah, they're really really good. Tupac, Eminem, Snoop Dogg. Like my dad used to listen to that stuff as well. Um, but so yeah. Big influences from my parents were actually nothing to do with what I do now. But I do think it was kind of a stepping stone for me to learn a lot about music. Because after the whole rock thing introduced, like, you know, my parents, my dad especially, introduced me to the rock side of stuff. For music, well, you know, my parents from very early on always encouraged us to do something music related. Uh, my brother decided to do uh, become a violinist. So wow. he does violin. Uh, I chose to do the the guitar because I always always associated it with you know the rock stuff. And I did um, I played acoustic guitar for a good portion of my life. I even did the whole like grades for it. So I did all the way I think to grade seven. Oh, or what? something like that. Yeah, you must yeah. Be really good. Yeah. Well, what can well, I say? <laughs> no, nah, nah, it's not even that. I think I I hated doing the exams. I'm gonna be honest. I love playing more for just like regular kind of thing but my parents you know be well asian parents my mom you know she was like no you need to get the grades etc so i did i just did it to get them happy <laughs> but yeah like no cultural influence nothing family influence not even the same thing so yeah i mean like my influences are have no link really that's that's like really really interesting and would you say that since moving to aberystwyth kind of being surrounded by these other amazing talents has influenced you to produce more want to do more want to be more type thing with your music oh yeah yeah definitely definitely the people i have met through my whole abba underground you know side of things the the djs i've met i mean there's this one guy um who will forever stay in my head i mean he's to me an abba legend uh it's his name this guy named uh, tristan bishop or that DJ Delamorte. Uh he's one of the guys that is on my team when we run Abba Underground. He's also one of the regulars that we have on Abba Underground. But he's also a music producer on the side. And he introduced a very I wouldn't say weird side, but I would say unique, more unique side of music production. Because he does produce as well, but he produces everything on hardware and analog, whereas I'm a lot of software. Okay. So he, yeah. yeah. He's got all these <laughs> Yeah, he's. it's like the common denominator that we have, like, you know, of music production, but it's completely two different sides. I'm very digital. Everything I do is digital, whereas everything he does is hardware. He's got, like, loads of these, you know, MIDI keyboards and sound synthesizers, etc. that are all, like, physical things. And I, I went to his house and I saw these racks of it, just stacks, and I'm like, what? oh, my God. But, yeah, he's definitely 
one of the influences for sure, I would say. But just staying true to the scene and be seeing what like you know the people are around the scene here in Abba. I mean, some people are diehard fans of this scene. Are you a diehard fan? <laughs> Uh, I would I would say I dabble in everything. I'm a diehard fan for bass music. That's for sure. I'm a diehard fan for that. Um, I'm a diehard fan for DJing, and now I'm I would say I'm also very dedicated to the music production side of things. Kind of one other thing that I kind of want to touch upon. So we've kind of chatted about. DJing, music producing, and it's obviously something that you're really, really passionate about. But that kind of massively collides with IT and business. Like for me, I feel like you can use them both together, but when you look at them, they're very, very separate things. So how do you manage that balance? Well, for me, it's more about time management. So I I give dedicated time to myself because obviously I'm you know the, none of these things can be done very easily uh they kind of need to take time a lot of dedication time uh obviously being in uni a lot of my business IT side would be towards university so a lot of the learning I do is where that comes from in the summers I would say you know when I don't have this ever impeding shadow of university over me I kind of use that for through internships so it's kind of like you know a nine-to-five job uh so that's where i do a lot of my business and it learning outside of university and even outside of internships i still do um the it side of stuff so you know a lot of the things you do in it is coding right so you you well that's more of like a computer science thing comp side thing but yeah coding so i i practice code i would you know I'd, i'd be like oh you know i should do some coding really so i'll get up some exercises or you know I try to create you know build something so what I used to do and what I still do now actually and funny enough it's exactly what I'm doing for my uh final year project is building websites from scratch so yeah yeah from scratch so you design it you do a user interface for it you code the html which is a hypertext markup language okay got it right that's good uh then then you then you have the css which is how it looks all pretty and looks nice and looks organized which is the cascading style sheets and then you could have the back end stuff which is server you know there's there's loads of things and so i uh actually one of the things i decided to do which is kind of a unison of both my djing side and the comp size side is um I decided to build a website from scratch about my DJ. That's so clever. So, so is this what you're doing for your final project? No, that that's that was oh, a, that's that's a, yeah, that was a, that was a personal project of mine. Um it, Oh wow, that's so amazing. Yeah, I built it. I did it from scratch. I you know, I marketed all my social media on there. I put like clips of all the recordings I did from early on. Uh, potential, you know, music, etc., like that. And I did. I used to have a section of like my favorite music. I'd like link all the music to it and stuff like that. So yeah, that was what I did. But for my project now, my final year project, I am actually. Well, it's not like I've signed an NDA, so I can say this. Um, <laughs> I'm building part of the um new website for the Caradigan Museum. That's so incredible, yeah. guys. If you're not Welsh, you maybe don't know about the Caradigion Museum, but it's a huge, huge museum. And 
the software in it is pretty shit at the moment. So like, um, if, if I remember correctly, there's like little benches and stuff that you can like touch and they'll speak to you, but inside there isn't really anything for people to get kind of interactive with. So the fact that Nitin's doing that is actually pretty, pretty cool. So big to you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the definitely the interactive side, like what you've just said, because when I had the meeting with them, they're like, yeah, our interactive side is really bad. And I was like, yeah, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, so what I'm doing actually is I've decided that I'm going to be doing a particular section on the Caradigan Museum. So they've got like these things called the 10 star artifacts and stuff like that. And well, I decided to feature one of them. It's this great massive voyaging ship called the Riverdale which apparently used to dock here and resupply and everything like that so yeah it's really cool I I mean shipping is kind of well it's funny enough that I'm talking about shipping now because my dad is actually a maritime lawyer so (laughs) I was like oh it works perfectly but yeah so ship shipping um Riverdale ship this massive ship and so I'm building the website around that uh, you know getting the information of that I have to do all the research for it and the interactive element I've actually just had an idea today which is quite cool uh, you know um my What's plan is yeah the plan is to basically simulate as if the user whoever is you know on their phones using this is the captain of the ship so they have to plan how to get enough water, get enough food, how many days on the voyage they're going to be, how many people can they take to basically do the journey. And so that's going to be the interactive element to it. And it's kind of going to be a game. Like, that's so cool. That's so interesting. And I feel like yeah. kids will enjoy that. Like parents oh, yeah. would enjoy taking their kids to museums to be able to do something like interactive like that. Oh, yeah. So good yeah. luck with this project because it sounds like you got a bit of your hands full. And alongside yeah. doing your DJing, um, it's kudos to you for balancing your time because i don't know how you do it my friend i don't know (laughs) it's a lot of time balancing i have to dedicate a lot of my time i need to like set like hard deadlines like i have to stop it right now if i want to get this done (laughs) that's amazing well actually considering you're so busy i really really appreciate your time and for you actually being on this podcast it's been a real pleasure and it's been so nice speaking to you like after so long (laughs) yeah yeah it's been a long time but yeah thank you so much for having me on i love doing podcasts so this is sick you know i really love like having a chat with you yeah just thank you so much i absolutely love this Thank you so much. And guys, thank you for listening. I will link all of Nitin's socials in the box. So please go follow. Um, Don't subscribe because Nitin doesn't have a YouTube. No, <laughs> no yeah. I'm hoping he does at some stage, but if, when he does, I'll update the box. So go and subscribe then. But thank you very much and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.